0: As many of you know, yet you may have disregarded it or forgotten amid the current state of affairs, we are in the season of Lent. And Lent is the season of 40 days, excluding Sundays, preceding Easter. It's a season of waiting. And in this time, the Church has historically fasted and prayed, embracing a somber and inward reflection as they spend time dwelling upon mortality and sinfulness and hopelessness apart from God. Regardless of whether you have intentionally participated in observing Lent these past few weeks, you have certainly embraced many of her principles. Contemplating death and feeling hopeless are inevitable in the wake of the global pandemic in the wake of orders to stay home and away from others, in the wake of economic collapse and rising death tolls. It is certain that you've spent time wondering where God is in the midst of these things and what His role is in them. Isolation has likely led to increased temptation towards sinful thinking or behavior toward despair and anxiety And for those who are in a house with family or roommates, frustrations are bound to have risen, tempers likely to have flared, and harsh words are maybe spoken more often than they usually would. In all of this, we recognize that we are a sinful people who will die. Fear, anxiety, death, decay, illness, poverty, unemployment, and apprehension are the air we breathe. Can you feel your deep need for God? Are you crying out for relief? For strength? For protection? For guidance? As I sit at my kitchen table writing these thoughts down, I, I'm feeling all of those things. In the past week, I've been acutely aware of my sinfulness as I've failed to trust God and given in to anxiety, as I've not loved others and given in to anger, as I've looked to the New York Times as often as I've looked to God's Word. I've realized my intense and Hopeless lack of control in this season, and I'm feeling especially needy for God's grace. There's a deep, dark, and painful weightiness in the world around me, and I feel it. Do you feel it? I feel it in my bones and in my blood. I feel it in the stress knots which have taken over my neck. I feel it as I cough and sneeze and instinctually wonder if I too have been infected. I feel it every time I have a video meeting that I wish could have been done in person. And I feel it as I talk to family members who are at risk knowing that there's nothing I can do to protect them. I feel it as my friends find their jobs in jeopardy or gone altogether. Oh, I am so needy for the grace of God. I'm so needy for His power and His redemption. And I feel that. Do you? If you feel it, remember that feeling. Because in ways, this is how Lent ought to feel even if these circumstances are far from how every Lent ought to be. If you feel it, you get a glimpse into how the people of Israel must have felt when they got to the final verses of Zephaniah's prophetic warnings. He told them that the Lord was planning to utterly decreate everything. Crushing Israel and the nations, he promised to judge the sinful and the wicked, declaring that he was going to gather the nations of the world in order to pour his wrath out upon them. Yet amid these warnings, there have been glimmers of hope. While God's people have abandoned right worship and sacrifice, Verse 7 of chapter 1 tells us that God is going to prepare a sacrifice himself, and he will consecrate his guests. While humanity as a whole is worthy of judgment and destruction, there is a hopeful call to repentance in verse 3 of chapter 2 as the prophet writes, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do His just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Today I want to draw your attention to the final portion of Zephaniah, beginning in chapter 9, verse 3. But first, let's look at the verse which precedes it. Chapter 3, verse 8 of Zephaniah says, Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. The Lord tells his people to wait for him, though disaster is coming. He calls them to wait for him, even as his indignation and his burning anger are going to consume the entire wholeness of creation. Israel is being invited into a season of waiting and reflection and repentance. A season much like Lent. As mentioned before, Zephaniah has repeatedly given his listeners an ominous message that Yahweh is going to decreate what he has created. God is planning to reverse his past actions. And once more, in verse 9 of chapter 3, God promises to reverse a previous decision. The text reads, For at that time... I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord. Disaster is coming, but God is going to unite the nations through common language. This language should remind us of that famous account in Genesis chapter 11 when God scattered the people from Babel and confused their language so that they couldn't grow in power or rebellion or self-worship anymore. And in our text, God promises a reversal of the confusion established at Babel. God will unite speech so that all may be able to repent and to serve him. He will gather the nations so that they may live together in faith or die together in wrath. What we're seeing is that decreation isn't the only option. A new creation and a new humanity are possible through God's power and grace. And the text goes on, and in it the Lord promises that those who turn to Him, that they will not be put to shame. Their sins will not be held against them. Those who find refuge in the Lord will not be utterly destroyed. But instead they will experience the comforts promised in Psalm 23, and that they will graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. All of this goodness comes because, as the prophet repeats in these final stanzas of the book, the Lord will be in the midst of His people. The Lord will who is mighty to save, will save his people. The Lord will rejoice over his people. He will comfort them with his love. He will sing over them as a proud father. And on that day, shame will be replaced with honor and the enemies of God's children will be silenced forever. Church, we are living in scary times. But the Lord is is in our midst we are experiencing fear isolation illness and even death but the lord is in our midst in christ the nations of the earth have been gathered as zephaniah promised And the promised wrath of God from Zephaniah has now been poured out upon the Son of God at Calvary so that the nations might together and with one voice praise Him. Through the suffering of Christ, God's people of every tribe, nation, and tongue can be united to God and to one another. Through Christ, we can experience the promises of Psalm 23, not just in some future heavenly reality, but today. Today, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, church, we do not have to fear evil. Why? Because the Lord is in our midst. His rod of correction and his staff of protection comfort us. Though our enemies, both in the spiritual realms and the earthly ones, surround us, God prepares a table for us. Though we suffer and are alone, God has provided still waters from which we can drink. And he will give us rest in green pastures, even as we are afraid and full of sorrow. I know it may seem as if the heavenly things of God are so far away from us, but even as we suffer, the new creation has come. And it's coming all the more, day by day, hour by hour, because the Lord is in our midst. He is among us. And there's a day coming in which Christ will return in body one day. And that final judgment will take place. But church, on that day, there will also be final restoration. On that day, the new creation will have overtaken the old creation altogether, and then it will be the only creation. God's glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. And on that day, with one voice, the nations will not bemoan God for His discipline. We won't scold God for His tarrying. We won't mock God in our sorrow, and we won't abandon God in our fear. In that day, my beloved brothers and sisters, we will sing a new song. We will sing a song of God's glory, His grace, His victory, His love, and His holiness. May we rehearse for that day until it comes. Heeding the words of God, let us wait for him. Let us hope in Him. Let us rejoice that He is in our midst. And let us take the gloom and sorrow which surrounds us and bathe it in the light of the Lord. The Lord has made a way for people to be hidden in Him. The Lord has provided the only hope which remains on the other side of the grave. The Lord is our mighty one and He has come to save us. Though death is in our neighborhood, new life is our reality. The risen one reigns. He is in our midst. And I feel it. Do you feel it? With love and in eager anticipation of Resurrection Sunday. Pastor Cole